Amen. Boy, you think about uh, maybe our children when they were young, wandering off, and you had to go find them. Uh, probably one of those horrific feelings as a parent is when you look around at Walmart and your child is not there and they have wandered around to the toy part. It's been a little while for us on that one, but uh, we've been there before. And boy, you find them, uh, you're just hoping nobody's looking because, you know, you want to snatch them up and give them a whooping and a hug at the same time, right? You understand how that feels? And yet, not only did our Lord love us enough to come after us, he carries this back. Boy, you read that about that lost sheep, puts it on his shoulders, carries it back, and he rejoices. And I'm just thankful to have a God like that, aren't you? Uh, if you aren't thankful, then you need one, and I'd love to introduce him to you tonight before we go home. Good to see you tonight, and uh, I do commend you on smiling, okay? I don't know if, if you are passing notes around and everybody's in a smiling mood today. Don't know if you got a scratch off on the way here and you won five bucks or whatever it is, but I do appreciate the smiles. I really do. It's an encouragement to me and folks paying attention, looking around, and it looks like you're paying attention. Even if you're acting, I appreciate you acting on my behalf because it's an encouragement to me, but I like to think of something a little bit more, don't you? I thought I could think it's the Lord that makes us smile. Coming to my father's house is not something I grumble and gripe about. I'm just glad to be here, and I'm glad to be able to call this place my father's house and come here and be with him. Tonight, we're going to be back in Matthew 11. I told you this morning, don't normally do that, but felt led to do that in the message tonight. And tonight, we're going to do a little bit of just clean up, uh, finish up the thought that the Lord had uh, started in this morning's message. While you're turning there, I do want to remind you, young people, keep up with the camp announcements. I believe they were made this morning. Uh, we have our senior camp and our junior camp coming around, youth conferences coming up, getting all of that scheduled, uh, and then dad's camps. I know a lot of y'all have been out there to man camp in the years past. I think we had 30-something kids, guys, last time. And man camp, they do man stuff, amen, guy stuff. And, uh, boy, I think it's important our guys learn how to do manly stuff. Uh, get some of those calluses on their hands. Let them know sweat will not kill you. Amen. Right? Some of you adults are like, well, the jury's still out on that one. But I'm telling you, they need to know that. And, and this year they've added the ladies' camp. And uh, I'm not exactly sure what ladies do, you know. So they're going to figure that out when they get down there. But I know they're going to have a good time. I know they're going to eat real well. If you have questions about those two, see my mom or dad. They'll fill you in on that. And uh, always have a good time down there. Got a busy summer coming up. I'm very excited about that. Looking forward. I get to be a part of a lot of it this year for a little while. And look forward to uh, spending some time with our young people. And then don't forget we have a Sunday school teachers meeting right after the service tonight. I won't keep you too terribly long because I have a dinner date, okay? And so you know when there's food involved, I'll talk really fast and get you out. Matthew chapter 11, if you're there, let's go ahead and stand and look back down to verse 28. We preached out of pretty much verse 28 exclusively this morning. Looking at the thought of reaching for rest. I don't know about you. Even in my days of being a Christian, there are times I need rest. There are times I'm weary. I'm not talking about physically, okay? There are times you need a physical nap. There are times you need a physical rest. Nothing wrong with that at all. But there's going to be times you need a, a spiritual rest. When you have a void and you need God to fill that void. And thank God, verse 28 says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'm thankful for that verse, and I claim that as a promise in my life. Verse 29 is what we're going to preach out of tonight. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful for the promise of your word tonight. 
Lord, I pray that we not get so used to coming to church that that's all we do. We just come and then we go. Lord, I pray tonight we would see that this is the inspired and errant word of God. It's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And Lord, you desire to pierce deep within our hearts tonight with it. Father, I pray tonight it wouldn't be something painful. It wouldn't be something tonight, Father, we're worried about or fearful or shielding ourselves from. But we'd open our hearts tonight to this thought of rest. You showed us this morning that you desire that we have it. And I pray, Father, we continue on in verse 29, seeing how we can have spiritual rest in our life in spite of the day and age we're living in. Lord, thank you again for the, your word. Thank you for the message. I pray that you bless it as we preach in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I want to do a quick review, all right, in case you weren't here this morning, uh, or maybe you had nursery, maybe the kids were out a little bit. We looked in verse number 28 at three ways we can reach out for rest, okay? It's important we know how God says we access His rest. And I want you to know, if you've ever experienced God's rest, there's nothing like it. Uh, it'll help you sleep in a den of lions. It'll help you not be worried in a fiery furnace. That's what God's rest will do for you. And God wants to give us that. Verse 28, we started at the end. The end, we looked at receiving uh, of the rest. He says, I will give you rest. If there's one thing to remember about that point this morning is rest is not achieved, rest is received, okay? We can't work for it. We can't make it happen. You can try to orchestrate your life all you want thinking when I get everything right, I'll have rest. And you will find, just as Adam and Eve found, there's not rest outside of God. And then the second thing, why do you do this? What was the reason for rest? That was number two this morning. What was right there in the middle? Without God's rest, we are laboring and heavy laden. I want you to know, I know what it's like to labor and have, be heavy laden when I'm trying to do it all myself. By the way, that's always the outcome. When you try it on your own, you're going to labor and have heavy laden. That was the reason we need to receive his rest. Well, what was the very beginning? Come unto me. That was the requirement of rest, all right? He offers it to us. He says, but you've got to come unto me. You've got to come unto me. How many things do we miss out on tonight because we're not willing to come to Christ for what he offers to us? Well, tonight we're looking at verse 29. Like I said, it's probably been a year or so since we've connected two verses together in the morning and the evening service. But I believe tonight we're going to finish out this thought on how we can have this rest and reaching for this rest ourselves. So look at verse 29, if you will. He goes on to say, to take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Now, there he's repeating it again, that we'll find rest unto our souls. Why? For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So I want you to picture this this morning, Let's, or this afternoon. We, we ended this morning coming to Christ, all right? I want to receive rest. I want to receive that. Why is the reason? Well, because I am laboring and heavy laden, all right? So I'm going to come unto Christ because that's what he tells me is required, to come unto me. So I come to Christ. What am I longing for? I'm longing for inner peace. I'm longing for fulfillment. I'm longing for contentment in my life. And so we come to Christ expecting him to give us that rest that he says. Now, unfortunately... Sometimes I think we watch too many cartoons 
and we think that we're going to come to Christ, he's going to pull out this magic wand and sprinkle spoofle dust all over us, and suddenly we are at peace. It doesn't happen that way. You say, where'd you get spoofle dust, Dad? Where are you at tonight, Dad? Is he in here somewhere? There he is. I remember back years ago, we went to Key West, remember that? And there was this preacher preaching in his church, and he kept talking about spoofle dust. I don't know what spoofle dust is, but evidently it's like, you know, a spiritual fairy dust. And we think that God's just going to sprinkle this dust on us, and suddenly all of our problems are gone. Suddenly we're no longer worried, we're no longer doubtful, we're no longer fearful. I hate to tell you, it doesn't happen that way. He said, well, how do I find this rest? Well, 29 shows us tonight the last few things on reaching for rest, and I want to point them out to you quickly, if we could. At the end of the service tonight, we're going to vote on our new missionary, so I need to hurry so we can get all of that fit in before we leave. Now, I want you to notice something. It's interesting what Christ tells us to do in verse number 29 in order for us to possess the rest. I just want you to notice the first word. Notice the very first word of verse 29. It's the word take. It is the word take. Be careful overlooking and overrunning words that God made it a point to put in there because he wants us to receive what he's offering to us tonight. He says, I want you to take my yoke upon you. Now this is going to be an important one tonight because when you think about a yoke, you don't think about rest, do you? Uh, I have never plowed with a yoke of oxen, but I do understand that a yoke is a utensil for toil and a utensil for work. And God's telling us that we've got to take his yoke in order to have rest. Could we just say tonight in our brains, or maybe not in yours, but at least in mine, that doesn't seem to make sense. That in order for me to have rest, I've got to take his yoke, an instrument of toil and an instrument of work. This is where tonight you need to get this very first point, and that's the submission to rest. The submission to rest. Now, stick with me tonight. In order for us to have his rest, we have to submit to how he says we have that rest. Look, it doesn't matter if he says, stand on your head and count to 14, if he were to say that, by the way, he doesn't, but if he were to say that, in order for us to have what he says we could have, which is what? Rest, which is what we desire for our souls, we've got to be willing to submit to what God says in order for us to have that. Now, notice the first part of the submission is in that word take. This is very important. In order for us to have what God is offering it to us, we're not going to have it just because we want it. Oftentimes when I'm leading someone to the Lord, especially young people, uh, I will have something in my pocket and I will tell them all of what God says he's offering to them and uh, I'll pull out a dollar bill or maybe it's my pen and I say, if I want to give you this pen, and I'm offering you this pen, and you can have this pen. I ask them, is it yours? And they will say yes, and I will say no, it's not. It's not yours until you take it. You've got to receive it. There's a lot of people, listen, every person this evening that is burning in a devil's hell, eternally separated from God, they are there not because they were not offered salvation, simply because they did not take it. That's why they're there. By the way, after we get saved, I wonder tonight, how many of us as God's people, we're missing out on the graces of the life of a Christian that we could be living simply because we would not take it. We wouldn't receive what God says we have to have. Philippians 4.9, listen to what Paul says. Those things which ye hath both learned and received. 
those things that ye have learned and received. Can I tell you one of the greatest travesties in life is to grow up in a church like this. To have the pastors that, they have had, that you've had all through the years at this church. The great conferences at this church. Sunday school teachers at this church. All the great men and women of God that have been at this church. And what a shame it would be. A travesty. A tragedy for you to never take what God offered you through the opportunities of this church. I'll tell you tonight. There's a lot of people that are spiritually empty-handed, not because God is selfish, but because they would not submit and take what God was offering to them. I'm one of those people. At times, I miss out on what God wants for me. I miss out on what God says I could experience through his grace because I won't take it. Now, what is he wanting us to take? Watch what he says. Take my yoke. Now, folks, I, I don't have a picture tonight. Somebody told me they had a yoke the other day, and I couldn't remember who it was. I was going to call them today and get them to bring it to church and show you what it is. You know what a yoke is, right? It's that thing that you put around the neck of the animal, and you kind of get them locked in and harnessed in, and they're going to pull, pull the implements or the tools uh, in order to plow the row or whatever it is that you've got him yoked into. Now, that doesn't sound very restful to me. You pull out a plow, I'm not thinking, oh, man, yeah, looking forward to some rest today. You know, when you take out the lawnmower, you know you're not going to rest today. When you take out the shovel, I mean, every once in a while, my wife will get a hankering to do something on the carport, that spring cleaning fever, it just happens every once in a while. And we pull out of the driveway the other day, and she says, you know, I think I want to remodel that piece of furniture. Well, I'm sure she's going to do her best, but I know somewhere along the line, my skills are going to be required. And so my wife says, I, I think I want to remodel that a little bit. Miley's going to be out of school and all that. And I knew exactly what that meant. That scary four-letter word, work. I knew what that means. And I don't mind. I, I love helping her out when I can. Oftentimes, we think about a yoke. We don't think of something as restful. By the way, that's where the submission comes in. Do you know that when an animal goes into a yoke and a harness... They are submitting to the one. You have to submit to the person that is getting you yoked up. Now, that's the way it is for you and I tonight, all right? God tells us that he offers us peace. And the pathway to that peace and the way to that rest is to submit to him and to the yoke that he offers us. Now, if you're not careful, you're going to start believing your carnal mind. Your carnal mind is going to tell you that if I yoke up with God, that's going to lead to a very restrictive life. Correct? If I surrender my will to God and yoke up with God, fun will die, enjoyment is over, and I will never smile again. Now they think that because some of you never smile, alright? You're a horrible witness when you don't smile. And we think if I yoke up with Him... That's not going to be joyful. That's toil. I mean, haven't you read Hebrews chapter 11? They wandered around in sheepskins and goatskins. Yeah, doesn't sound very attractive to me. Here's my question. Does it matter what it sounds like to you and I? Does it matter what you and I think about what God says to have rest? The question is this. Are we going to submit to it? He offers that to us. He says, what did he say? The end of verse 29. 
ye shall find rest for your souls. Listen, it doesn't matter if he were to tell us tonight, hey, I want you to go sleep out in the parking lot. If that's what God said to have rest, we ought to submit to it. Why? Because God can't lie. Aren't you glad? He promises us rest, but where is it at? It's on the other side of submission. You see, before that animal can get yoked up into that harness, they have to be broken. They have to learn how to submit. Can I tell you tonight, this is my opinion, but I believe it fairly strongly. I truly believe the absence of rest in the lives of so many of God's people is a direct result of the absence of submission. The reason we don't have rest is because we refuse to submit. That's what a yoke is all about. I'm going to submit to that. I, I remember several times in my life specifically that God was calling me, calling me to ministry, uh, calling me to go pastor, different things God was calling me to. And uh, I would love to tell you tonight that as soon as God called, I picked up the phone. But I haven't always done that. I've always probably resisted for a little while. Are you sure? Why? Because, well, Lord, that's a yoke. Lord, pastoring is a yoke. I want to be an evangelist. They're not yoked. <laughs> they just run free and wild out there, you know. That's what evangelists seem like. I don't want to be a pastor. That's a yoke. And he said, but that's what I'm called. I had to decide if I was going to submit to what God was calling me to. Do you know all the time that I was unwilling to put on the yoke, I was miserable. I was miserable. Now, how counterintuitive is that? The devil tells you that if you put on the yoke, you're going to be miserable. When are we going to learn that he's a liar? He's a liar. Listen to me, young person. Whatever the devil's telling you, do the opposite. He's lying. All right? He's going to make you think. By the way, it's not just our young people, moms and dads. Let's admit it, it's us too. He's going to make us think that when we yoke up with God, we're going to miss out on something good. Oh, no, no, no. When we yoke up with God, we've taken the first step of verse 29 to ending verse 29, finding rest for our souls. By the way, here was the Apostle Paul when he was Saul. He had everything. He had a claim. He had education. He had power. He had authority. He had what so many of us strive for in this life today. And yet... He was miserable. You say, how do you know that? What did the Lord tell him? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. We have no record of Paul being miserable, but I believe he was. Why? Because the Bible says he was kicking against the pricks. What was he not doing? He did not want to submit to the yoke of the will of God for his life. And then yet you see him get saved. And after it was all over, he says, I give up all of that stuff. I count it as dung for Christ. Sounds like a miserable person, don't it? No, the miserable person was the one who was not submitting to the yoke of what God was calling him to. And as he about to have his head chopped off in the Mamertine prison, he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Do you know what that sounds like to me? Rest. He had rest in his soul. Where did the rest come from? It came through submitting to rest. If there's anything tonight, I believe all of us adults that are here, whether you live faithful to God all throughout your teenage years or maybe you had a wayward time in your teenage years, I just about agree that every adult in here tonight would love to convince every young person in here tonight that it's a lie straight out of hell that submitting to God is what ruins your life. 
Oh, no, you don't begin to live until you submit your life to Christ. By the way, do you know what got Adam and Eve? Think about this. They had a life of rest and fellowship with God in a perfect world. And then the devil convinced them that God was keeping something good from them. That's the lie straight out of hell. I remember as a kid, I'd hear preachers say that. That is a lie straight out of hell. And I'm like, I'm never going to use that line. Well, I am. Because it's true. It's a lie straight out of the darkest pits of hell to think that your heavenly father wants to keep good things from you. Oh no, but you're to start thinking, you know what, if I yoke up with God and submit my will to God, it's going to cost me all the enjoyment. Oh, you have no idea what you're missing out on until you do. He says, take my yoke. Well, we could picture it here tonight. I wish I had one. Here's the Lord, every invitation time. He's standing here. He's holding a yoke. He says, take it. Take my yoke. You're like, no, Lord, that's toil, that's labor, that's work. Oh, can I tell you, that's the life we live without the yoke. A while back, I think in October, we were in San Francisco, and I kind of enjoyed visiting San Francisco the time we were there. But while we were there, while we were there, I saw people overdose on fentanyl uh, on the side of the street. I mean, people literally standing with their heads up against a brick wall. People sitting on the side of the road convulsing from drug overdoses. Prostitutes standing on the side of the street. I mean, the entire town is just going downhill rapidly. And it's a town, watch this, that touts itself as one of the most liberated and free towns. If that's what liberation and that's what freedom looks like, I don't want any part of that. You could tell in that city amongst those people that God has zero influence in their life and they are captive to it. Those people can't get off of those drugs. They can't get out of that lifestyle. But hey, they have freedom and they have liberty. Oh, that's not freedom and liberty. They are in the bondage of sin that Christ came to set us free from. Folks, hear me out tonight. This is not just for lost people. This is for saved people as well. You're missing out on the rest that God wants you to have because you're refusing to submit to the yoke of his will. I don't know what it is. Thank God I don't know what it is. I mean, I know too much about some of you already because of Facebook. I'm glad I don't know what God's doing in your heart. I'm glad you don't know what God's doing in my heart. But all the longer you refuse to submit to take his yoke upon you, you're delaying rest. You're delaying rest. Folks, I don't know about you, but I need rest for my soul in 2023. And the only way we're going to have that is the submission to rest. Submit ourselves to the will of God. Now, we're living in a time, 2023, where we're living in an era of rights. Correct? We're all about rights, my rights, I have the right, I have a right, I have a right, I have a right, I have a right to do all these things. And oftentimes our rights overshadow God's calling in our life to submission. Now you may have a right to do things out in the uh, American world, but you still have a Heavenly Father that we should submit to. And when we go through this thing of my rights, you're thinking, well, if I submit to God's will for my life and take on that yoke, I'm going to lose my rights. Can I tell you tonight, you're going to gain way more than you're going to lose. The church of Laodicea, I want you to think about this. 
The Laodicean age, we look at that as the age where it's going to be the temperature, if you will, of the church when the Lord Jesus comes back. That's going to be that representative church. And now there will be exceptions, obviously, but overall, I believe we are living in the Laodicean church age. I'll never forget in Bible college them teaching us the definition of the word Laodicea. It's two words, laos meaning people and dikea meaning rights or justice. The church of Laodicea is going to be a church that is more concerned about their rights and their justice than they are about what thus saith the Lord. Are we there or what? We are there. I mean, it's nothing to do with what God wants. It's all about what I have a right to. And the sad thing is, we've become our own authority and refuse to submit ourselves to the authority of God. And that's why we don't have rest. That's why we don't have rest. Folks, number one tonight, if we are going to find rest at the end of verse 29, what does it begin with? Taking my yoke, submission to rest. Listen to what the Bible says, James 4, 7. Our kids sing this all the time. It's hard to read a verse that you sing, so I'm going to try to read it slowly so I don't sing. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Listen, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Can I ask you, when the devil flees from you, what do you have? You have rest. Don't you love it when the devil leaves you alone? Don't you love it? I mean, sometimes, you know, I don't think it's really the devil who bothers me. I'm not a high enough priority for him to bother me. But he's got a little demon assigned to me. I know that he does. I mean, he comes around and causes me trouble and he causes me strife in my life. The Bible says that when I resist the devil that he will flee from me. Oh, what a wonderful thing it is when the devil leaves me alone. Well, how do I get him to flee from me? Well, James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Submission leads to rest. You're thinking, well, that doesn't make sense. Well, watch. His ways are higher than our ways. Don't try, listen, don't try to interpret, interpret God's word through our carnal mind. God knows exactly what he's doing. And when we submit to his will, we are submitting to his rest. Quickly, and I'll give you the last thing on uh, point one. Romans 6.13. The Bible says, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But, what does it go on to say? But yield your instruments unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness. You know what that word yield means? It means submit. You and I get to decide what we submit to. Unfortunately, oftentimes, we're not submitting to take his yoke upon us. Number two, let's keep reading. Take my yoke upon you and watch what he says, learn of me. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Now, after our submission, we have a glorious, glorious opportunity. The Bible says that when we submit ourselves to take his yoke upon us, a door opens to us. It wasn't open before we submitted. What was the door? Well, it says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Stick with me, all right? Our kids are thinking, look, we're at the end of school. Teachers, too. Hey, learning is not restful, right? How do you equate learning and rest? I don't know. I don't know. Wait till college. You're going to pay for it. <laughs> right now, mom and dad's paying for it. You go to college, you're going to have to pay for that. Learning and rest, how do you go from learning to rest? Well, it's all about the subject that you're learning. What is the subject? 
take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Now, first we find submission to God's rest. You've got to submit to it. You're never going to fight God and find rest. And then after we submit to God's rest, watch this, then and only then we find the sweetness of rest. This is the one I've been looking forward to getting to. The sweetness of rest. It's unfortunate a lot of people never make it this far. They never submit in order to find the sweetness. Notice, until we take his yoke and submit to that, we don't have the opportunity to truly learn of him. We think of submitting to God as something that's not sweet, that's going to be sour. We think about submitting to God as something restrictive and harsh and unkind. Oh, there couldn't be anything further from the truth. For once we submit to God, watch what we find. The opportunity to learn of him. To learn of him. Now, folks, I want you to understand this tonight. This is the sweetness of this. This is where we get to learn about the spirit of Christ and the mind of Christ. The Bible says, watch this, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Now picture it, okay? Here you are. You yoke up with God. You put on that yoke. All right, God, I'm going to submit to that. In our hearts, we're hoping that it's going to turn out the way God says it's going to turn out. But boy, the world's telling us you've made a mistake. Once we submit to God, here's what we find out about him. He's meek and lowly in heart. Now, watch the context. We're talking about an animal who's yoking up. You know, here's somebody back working that animal. They've got a prod, maybe a cattle prod. They've got a whip. They may even have one of those spike sticks that come along and move them along. Those, the goad that they would use that Paul was kicking against. But the Bible says that's not the kind of God that we have. The Bible says, watch, when you yoke up with God, you've yoked up with someone who's lowly in heart, and he's meek. Yesterday, I was on my computer working on uh, things for this morning, and I had an alert pop up that the Kentucky Derby was about to be run. And uh, I've never been to a horse race, never, never really uh, known a whole lot about horse races, but I clicked on I was going to watch that race, and man, these horses come in there, and horses are getting lined up, millions of dollars, I think a $3 million purse on that race yesterday, and Man, when that bell started and those gates opened and those horses took off, man, those guys had a stick in their hand. I don't know what they call it. And, man, they are getting after that horse. Boy, whooping on that horse. He comes around the line and gets all the way around the back stretch. In the home stretch, boy, they are almost standing up on those horses. To be honest with you, I felt kind of bad for the horse. I'm like, man, I'd be running as fast as I could or I'd buck the guy off. I said, you're going to have to lay off with that stick, gentlemen. But that's not how God is. But is that not how the devil wants us to picture God? He's going to work you over. Listen to me. I'm not going to lie. There's tough days in ministry just like it is for tough days in your ministry too. There's hard days. There's days that are struggles. I want you to know most of my struggles are my fault. God's always been, watch, meek and lowly in heart. You're going to find out when you submit your will to God, you say, okay, God, I know this doesn't look like it's going to end very well for me, but I trust you. I submit to that. And then after a while, you spend time with God, you work with God, you walk with God, you're going to find out he's meek and lowly in heart. Oh, he's a wonderful God to have leading you through the will of God for your life. He's a good God. That's the sweetness of submitting to God. Here's the sad thought. 
A lot of times we don't find that sweetness until we've tasted of the sourness of the yoke of bondage. Could we just encourage all of our young people that are here tonight that they could get yoked up with God as a teenager. They don't have to go yoke up with the world. They don't have to go out there and stack up regrets and, and, and bad memories, uh, things that scar their mind and scar their heart. You don't have to do that. You can yoke up with God as a young person. Even little Liam up here on the front row, he can yoke up with God. I'm going to submit my will to God. I'm going to submit to his rest. And he could start enjoying the sweetness of God even now. Don't have to get up there and say, you know, I'm going to go sow my wild oats. But you know, once you sow something, you reap something. And you sow your wild oats and you reap regrets. Hey, why do we have to do that all the time? Why can't we just believe God's word? That I'm going to take his yoke upon me, submit to his will for my life, and enjoy the sweetness of his rest. I don't know about you, I believe this is the word of God. He said, if I take his yoke upon me, I'm going to learn of him. For I am meek and lowly in heart. Sometimes we allow the world to tell us about our God. And we believe them. I've had some delightful conversations with some of our young people over the last two or three years. And it's always been a, uh, it would always tickle me. When you can tell, they come in kind of nervous to talk. They just want to come in and talk and we'll talk. You can tell they come in nervous, thinking, you know what, here's the ogre. He's going to club me. And we'll sit there and talk, and after a while, they start to relax. Come to realize, you know what, I think I may make it out of here with my life. Before long, they're smiling. And we'll sit there and we'll talk, and they say, hey, thanks for talking with me. I said, my pleasure. They said, well, I, I wasn't sure how this was going to go. I said, can I ask you a question? I said, have you gotten to know me through other people? I'm not an ogre, am I, guys? I give you jelly beans and donuts. I mean, I'm, ogre wouldn't do that. Sometimes we get to know people through other people. By the way, could I just throw this out there? This is a freebie. You get to know somebody through somebody else, and you judge them, you're in the wrong. You believe something about somebody else before you go talk to that somebody, that's ultimately judging somebody. You ought to get to know them through them. Get to know them through them. You might find out they're not as an ogre as you think they are, or as I am, or as they are. Now, folks, hear me out tonight. A lot of us have gotten to know God through disgruntled Christians. You've gotten to know God through disgruntled Christians. And they're blaming God for their kids doing this, and they're blaming God for, hey, why would God let this happen? Why would God let this happen? You see, here's where it boils down for me. I don't believe God can lie, and I believe his word is true. And if God says it, I believe it. And if something happens and it doesn't turn out the way that you thought it should, I'm not assuming God was the one in the wrong. I'm going to assume I did something wrong. Folks, hear me out tonight. We can trust God, submit to his will, and find the sweetness of fellowship with him and find out, you know what? He's meek and lowly in heart. You get to know God through God. It's, it's quite wonderful. I think about Demas tonight. Old Demas gave up on God, quit on God. Why? He was convinced by the devil he was missing out on something that was good. Or else why would he have left? 
Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demas says, you know what? If I stay with you, I'm missing out on something good. And he left God for what he thought was good. But truthfully, do you know what he left? He left what was good. Because God is good. Tonight, if we're going to find rest, number one, it begins with a submission to rest. All right, God, I'm going to take your yoke. I trust you. And then we find the sweetness of rest. Romans chapter 8, verse 15, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Did you get what he said there? We're not submitting to him and submitting to bondage and fear. You're submitting to Abba, Father. I'm an earthly dad and I love my daughter. I love her dearly. And I know what I'm willing to do for her, probably too much. I can't imagine how a holy God who knows pure love, undefiled by the flesh, how much his love is for me. And the Bible says that when I submit to his will, that's the kind of love I'm getting. That's the kind of rest I'm getting. The song we sing, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Think about it. What is trust? It's submission. God, I, I'm trusting you, tis so sweet, to submit to you just to rest upon his promise. You see, there's rest there when we learn to trust and we submit to God. So we see the sweetness. And then finally, I want you to look down, and we'll close this out tonight, verse number 30. He finishes up by saying, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I was trying to to discern what the Lord's will was in verse 30. I said, well, we just leave it off, you know. But no, there's something here he wants us to see. I'm thinking it's kind of redundant because he told us there's rest in verse 28. He said up here in verse 29, take my yoke, learn of me. But he wanted us to know, verse 30, exactly what the outcome was going to be. That once we take upon his yoke, we submit to him, we find the sweetness of God. Finally, I want you to notice we find a certainty in rest. Now watch the wording here. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know what he's saying? He's saying when you submit your will to me, you're going to find the sweetness of my rest and you're going to find that exactly what I said is exactly what is. He says, my burden, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, understand this tonight. Understand, the world offers much and delivers little. Correct? The world says we offer you this, and it never, what? It never is. It never is. Have you ever won one of those cruises? I've won like 30 of them. You know, one of these cruises where they say, you know, it's only going to cost you $50 and, and port taxes and fees and all of that. It never turns out that way. It's usually about $700 by the time you add it all up. It never is. That's the way the devil works. That's why I don't like those fast talkers at the end of commercials. If you have a fast talker at the end of your commercial, I don't trust you. Why? Just because I have larger ears doesn't mean they can listen faster. Like, what did he say? You know, you take this medicine, your arm might fall off. I mean, what did he say? I don't trust them. Why? Because I'm not sure that it is what it says it is. Can I tell you something about submitting your will to God's rest? You'll find out it is. It is. 
you are going to end up with exactly what God says. And that's what you're going to find his yoke is easy and that his burden is light. I want you to think about this before we close. He's kind of contrasting here. I believe there's a spirit of contrast in verse 30. He says, for my yoke and my burden. I believe he's trying to give us a comparison. You know, you think about the prodigal son. He was there with his dad, had everything going well, and thought, you know what? It would be lighter and easier over there. And so he did what a lot of people do. He headed out for the far country. He's sitting there in the, in the clay, and he's sitting there in the mud. I believe when he looked back toward his father's house, he said that yoke was easier, and that yoke was lighter. But he had to go all the way over here to find out what really is. Do you know you and I don't have to do that? He said, well, how are we going to know? We just trust him because he says it is. It's going to be lighter. Now, you say, well, is it going to be always going to be easy? No, he didn't say that. I promise you the yoke that you will carry and the burden that you will carry submitting to the will of God is always going to be easier and lighter than the alternative. The alternative. It's a lot easier and it's a lot lighter. I don't know how many times we've had testimony time at our church and we've had it here once or twice since I've been here. And It's a blessing to hear some people's testimony who took God at his word and proved that God is. And what God says is, is. Sometimes you'll hear testimony of folks who maybe took a different route, as often all, a lot of us do. But yet they always come back to find that God is what he says he is. It's really just a matter of how we're going to get to that light burden and that easy burden, that yoke that God wants us to have. The good news is tonight he offers rest. He offers us rest. God guarantees us this rest. How do we get it? Number one, we've got to submit to it. All right, God, you say take it. I'm going to take it. God, I don't know what it's going to involve. God, I don't know your burden, your yoke may carry me across the seas to be a missionary somewhere. But God, I trust you. I'm submitting to whatever your will is. Oh, once you submit, then you get to learn of him. You get to learn just how meek and lowly of heart he is. He's not a cruel taskmaster waiting to whip you along the way. Oh, no, he's a compassionate friend. And after you find the sweetness of God, you find that rest and you find it with certainty that God will do what God says he will do. I don't know about you tonight, folks, but sometimes I need rest, spiritual rest. It's not a rest that I can get by taking a nap or taking a day off or taking a vacation. It's a rest that I can only receive of God. He says, I want you to receive it. And the longer you don't receive it, you're going to labor and be heavy laden. But if you're willing to come to me, submit to my will, you'll find the sweetness of my rest and the certainty that his rest offers to us tonight. Let's have our heads.